Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast, presented, presented by, by PCBB, 1917.com. Your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB, 1917.com, and your host, Mike Hopkins. Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast. I'm Mike Hopkins. Thanks for joining me. We're now two weeks into the 2021-2022 college basketball season, and the Providence Friars are 5-1 and one after winning their first five games, including the first game of the 2021 Legends Classic at the Prudential Center in Newark, and then falling against Virginia in the championship game 58-40 to in one of the better defensive efforts I've seen in person. Yes, in person. First time I've watched a Providence College basketball game with my own two eyeballs since probably February of 2020. Three games into the season, Providence was 3-0 for the first time since 2015-16 when that team won their first three games en route to six straight wins to start the campaign, including home wins over Harvard and Illinois and a neutral court victory over Arizona in the 2015 Wooden Legacy event in sunny California. And while Providence... Did not win that tournament that year. They lost to Michigan State, I believe, in the final uh, of, the, of that year's Wooden Legacy. They also didn't win this year's Legends Classic at the Prudential Center with the loss being at playing Virginia in the championship game on Tuesday night. But I think that if you look at it on the whole, the two games were successful in the sense that they beat Northwestern, which is the team they really needed to beat. Probably will be a better win than... Maybe some people expected. The Big Ten's a little soft this year, it looks like. And then, on top of that, they also got the better matchup that they were looking for. Because you really, with these MTE events, you're sort of at the mercy sometimes of the matchups and whether some team wins or loses on the other side of the bracket. In this case, Virginia and Georgia. Georgia probably not going to be very good this year. So, big boon to the schedule to even just have Virginia on it, to play them on a neutral especially if they end up putting things together, which, I mean, if they play anything like they did tonight the rest of the year, they're going to be very, very, very good. All in all, a pretty successful trip to Newark. One and one on the court, but a lot of things I think were learned. A lot of things were maybe uh, explored. Had some really nice performance in the two games by Bryson Goodine, a Syracuse transfer who played last year a little bit. Seemed to kind of come out of his shell. A.J. Reeves under the weather didn't start either game. Justin Minaya started in his spot. But Goodine, I thought, played very well. He made four threes in the Northwestern game and just plays really hard. And one of the things that I think tonight, early on in the game, he had a couple of plays where he missed some shots, but he was being aggressive. He's going to the basket, and he's hustling. And that's sort of, I think, been missing a little bit from the wing spot. When like when Reeves' shot's not falling – He's not really giving a lot more. His defense has picked up a little bit this season, but then he really, you know, I don't know if it was just totally being under the weather or whatever, but he just did not look very good on either end of the floor in this game against Virginia. Also had arguably the dunk of the year already. Nate Watson with that alley-oop from Jared Bynum in the Northwestern game, which was the number one play on SportsCenter's top ten. Who knew SportsCenter still had a top 10? Who knew SportsCenter was still a thing? Couldn't tell you last time I watched the uh, the old worldwide leader. 
for anything but a game I have to watch. Which sounds like did not go very well uh, on ESPN Plus in the Northwestern game. I was I was there, thankfully. I lived pretty close to the Prudential Center, so I was able to go. But it sounds like there was some technical difficulties with the broadcast for the first half of that game. Interestingly, uh, a great opportunity for Friar fans to finally see the, the benefits of syncing up the radio broadcast with their video feed. Maybe mute the television, get the TuneIn app, or if you're in Rhode Island, put on WPRO. You get John and Joe. It's kind of a nice treat. I really enjoy when Friar TV does the, the, the sync-ups later after the game, and you can hear John's call of a certain big moment that maybe the, the you know, in this case an ESPN guy didn't really have the context behind to really make it feel like it was the gravity of the play that it was. But the other thing, too, uh, uh, just hearing from people, saw a couple tweets. Everybody's pretty thankful for Fox Sports. I don't think that uh, we, there's ever been a production like, like we had uh, for this Northwestern game. Not sure how things went on ESPN2 tonight, though you'd imagine uh, smoother since it's an actual television channel instead of a subscription service. A couple notes from the uh, actual production of the tournament itself. Uh, both nights... They made an announcement. They were doing uh, legends uh, from the different schools. During some of the timeouts on the video board, they put up a little graphic. Providence's was Chris Dunn, which, you know, maybe more of a recent legend, but he's, he's probably is still a legend in his own right. Certainly someone that the f- majority of the fans would know more than, like, Jimmy Walker, for example. But, and I, d- I didn't really th- notice it as much the first night. I was sitting... Uh, next to Bill Koch in the Providence Journal. And at one point they made an announcement about Don and they're talking about his accomplishments. And they make some, I think the last one was, and his 208 steals is the all-time school's record. And I didn't really hear it when they said it. I was kind of looking at my computer. And, and Bill says, Two, Chris Dunn is the leader in steals at Providence. That doesn't sound right. And I said, no, he's not. There's no way. And Bill was like, yeah, definitely not. Because John Linehan is the leader in steals, who also happens to be the leader in steals all-time for the NCA. So not only did they get it wrong the first night, John Linehan is coaching in this tournament as an assistant at Georgia. But they do it the second night again. So clearly nobody cared to do any research of any kind to know that Dunn's not even first or second in Providence's school history because Eric Murdoch is right behind Linehan. So... And we're talking, Linhan is 385, Chris Dunn is 208. So it's like not even close. So that's just one one production note. Uh, the other one is the, the press conferences were being held in the press conference room at the Prudential Center, but only via Zoom. Which, you know, I get it. There's a certain amount of, they're trying to accommodate people who aren't there. They're trying to accommodate the coaches uh, to avoid any COVID issues. Um but if you're going to do that, you have to be able to like have it work. And we've been doing Zoom stuff for like the last year and a half. So like horribly horribly run last night, really couldn't even hear Ed Cooley. I was trying to listen to it in my car on the way home and I had to put the volume up like all the way. Um not great. Tonight run a lot smoother. Um Tony Bennett's went really long to start out. Ed Cooley uh spoke pretty briefly, but he was by himself. Um, didn't bring a player with him. But I think his overall message was um, that they played 
pretty well. He was proud of the group. They just didn't shoot well at all. He basically was like saying, you know, we made shots last night. We won. We didn't make shots tonight. We lost. And that's true. And Virginia is a big part of that. Um, they are extremely, extremely well coached on defense. Um, just listening to the questions that Tony Bennett was getting from some of the Virginia press after the game, it's pretty clear that he's been talking about how they're not really there yet on defense and they have a lot to learn. This is one of his younger slash newer teams with all the transfers that are sort of the now the new thing in college basketball. And learning a defense like the pack line is very difficult because it's, it requires a lot of communication and they're supposed to be kind of playing on a string together. And uh, it seemed like this was by far their best effort to date this season and maybe in a while. Um, obviously, they, they had uh, they had that loss to Navy and they, and they lost to Houston. Um, but uh, giving up 40 points, Providence shot, I think, 21% from the field, which is uh, one of the guys in my slack looked it up on Ken Palm, I believe this is statistically the worst um, shooting game Providence has ever had in the history of Ken Palm, so I think that's going back about 20 years. Um, 21% from the field. Uh, I was looking at the, the halftime stats. I think they shot 27% in the, f in the first half. And I turned to Bill and I said, you know, they're probably not going to shoot 27% in the second half. You know, so maybe there's a chance they could make a run, get it close, which is kind of what ended up happening, except they didn't shoot better in the second half. They certainly didn't shoot 27%. They shot worse. I think they were 23 for a while and then uh, 21 for the game. So really staggeringly bad um, shooting the ball. But on the positive side, in this specific game and then on, on the overall for the first six games of the season, in this particular game, you saw them – sort of change change the whole thing. Virginia likes to impose their style of their pack line, and they want you to play offense for the, as much of the full shot clock as they can get you to play offense for. And on the other end, they are constantly, constantly moving, cutting, screening, running the ball, handoffs, passes, I mean, nonstop movement. So not only are you having to run your offense for 20, 25 seconds pretty much every time down, you're also having to play really hard, chase the, chase your man defense the whole time they have the ball, and they're not taking quick shots. So the and net result of all of that is you're getting more tired. You have less possessions to have error, so there's a, a smaller margin of error, which is usually not good for Providence because they need a little margin of error to dig themselves out of some hole that they've created. In this case, it just wasn't possible tonight. They got it all the way down to six. And then they scored, I think, four points the rest of the game to finish with 40. It was 42-36. Um, and then I think the game ended on a 16-4 run. And then on the overall for the season, 5-1 and one after 6. I think that's probably not too unexpected in terms of if you looked at the schedule when it came out. And if the one loss was going to be the one loss on a neutral to Virginia, that's probably the best loss to have through 6. Uh, you could have said maybe Wisconsin on the road because it's a road game, but getting that road win will be huge. So 5-1 and one through 6, a couple of close calls against teams that maybe they shouldn't have hung around with, but they won. That's kind of all that matters. And they'll get a few days off now for the Thanksgiving holiday and pick up action on Saturday the 27th at the Dunkin' Donuts Center against St. Peter's. Should be, hopefully, you'd think, uh, a pretty easy win. 12 p.m. tip. And uh, Ed Cooley get a second chance to get his 200th win as the head coach at Providence College. Uh, the Friars got their 15th 
1500th win in program history against Northwestern on Monday, Cooley's 199th win. So his first shot at 200 was a, a loss to Virginia. He'll get his uh, next shot against St. Peter's. And then the rest of the way, I mean, probably three pretty tricky games still on the schedule as the calendar turns to December. Uh, after St. Peter's, you have Texas Tech on December 1st at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. That should be a really, really interesting game as part of the Big East Big 12 battle. Texas Tech not actually ranked in the AP poll right now. They're uh, also receiving votes. I think they were 35th this past week, the November 22nd poll. Uh, but Ken Palm has them right now, uh, as I'm recording this tonight, as the 10th team in his ratings. So that should be a really interesting game. Of the remaining games in the non-conference, that is the only one that Ken Palm has Providence losing. Uh, and then Saturday, December 4th, uh, the annual in-state rivalry game with URI. That's a 2 p.m. tip at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Uh, and then Vermont, uh, Tuesday, December 7th. So three pretty tricky games in a row. Texas Tech, the best of the three. URI is always, you never know, it's an in-state rivalry game. Could be a war. Uh, you hate to see it. They uh, they lost two of their three games in their tournament down in Florida, including uh, a game against Florida Gulf Coast tonight where they were led by 11 at the half. Uh, some interesting end-of-game fouling by them to lose that game by one. Not a shame. And then finally Vermont to close out the uh, difficult game stretch there. That's pretty three pretty difficult games to start December. And then the final game, uh, Central Connecticut State on December 11th. That will uh, be the final game before the exam break where uh, the guys will have about a week off for final exams for the fall semester. And then Big East play begins on December 18th against UConn, so that'll be fun. Um, I'm sure I will speak to everyone before the beginning of Big East play. Um, but really interesting stretch coming up in early December here. But assuming they take care of business on Saturday against St. Peter's, 6-1 and one November, I think that's probably pretty good. Uh, not sure that that would have been totally unexpected. Potentially could have seen maybe even uh, two losses with that Wisconsin game on the road. But getting the win there, very helpful for the resume down the line. And then, as I mentioned, getting just winning the game against Northwestern on a neutral to get Virginia on the neutral. Really helpful, even though they didn't win the game against Virginia. That will still help them on the resume and the numbers. Uh, in terms of some of the the, uh, the metrics the NCAA tournament committee will be looking for. And I do think that that's sort of where this season is heading. Uh, a lot of veteran guys, still some pieces to put together. Ed Cooley seems pretty set on his rotation in terms of the guys he's willing to play at this point. You're basically seeing the starting five of Jared Bynum and then Al Durham, giving you that lefty-righty combo as a sort of a two-headed point guard situation. And then the the three spot uh, had been A.J. Reeves. The last two games, Justin Minaya Reeves under the weather. Uh, these last two games in Newark. But uh, as I, I tweeted during the game, I, I think that it's very possible that A.J. Reeves' days of being a starter may or may not be numbered. Ed Cooley was sort of asked after the game uh, whether or not he would consider keeping that starting five with Minaya in there over Reeves. And he kind of brushed it off, sort of said, oh, we're still figuring it out, but, you know, it's not impossible. It might be a matchup situation. He kind of danced around it. But unless Reeves produces, I think this is sort of the new Ed Cooley in some ways. 
and partially because this is the way the college basketball is now with the freedom of movement of players with the, the transfer portal. I think he's sort of done with the trying to sort of play the nice guy. Certainly with a guy like Reeves, been in the program a long time, has sort of taken tough coaching, but he just hasn't produced at the level that I think has been expected of somebody who is a, a, you know, a top 50, top 60 recruit coming out of high school. So I think he's Ed Cooley's sort of done with uh, trying to make guys feel good about themselves or worry about transfers. Guys are going to transfer no matter what because there's going to be somebody in their ear with an opportunity or they're going to be tampered with. I mean, it just happens. That's just the reality of, of how the, the game is, even before the freedom of, of movement um, rule changes. I think that was all still going on. It's just now amplified. And pretty much anybody who first-time transfer gets to pl- uh, transfer without sitting out. So that's just going to be the reality that there's probably going to be two or three guys every year. You also can't play 13. So uh, it looks like Ed Cooley is maybe going to play his eight guys. So between the the two point guards of Bynum and Durham, it's going to then be some probably combination of Manaya, Reeves, Horkler, Watson. And then after that, it's been Croswell kind of to spell mostly Watson, but occasionally Horkler. So foul trouble, you might see him a little bit more. Uh, no foul trouble, you probably will see him less. Certainly as Big East games probably began, I think you'll see him less. And then Alan Breed, who I have really liked for the most part. He's still had a couple of moments here and there. He's not the best defender yet, but he really plays hard, and he can shoot the ball. He had a, a really nice pass in the game against Virginia tonight. So that's a guy that could be a weapon off the bench and maybe eventually into that like Malik White microwave off the bench scoring guy. And now you're seeing a little bit of Bryson Goodine uh, getting into the mix the last couple games, playing really well, and I think earning some more minutes. We'll see how that plays out uh, over the next few weeks as we get closer to Big East play. But that's sort of probably the the extent of what the rotation will be. You got your five starters, and then of the four guys that are coming off the bench, you probably see maybe one of those guys kind of his minutes sort of dwindle, and you're and Cooley's probably playing seven or eight guys. In reality, once the Big East play kind of gets going, and you saw tonight as an example, this is something that has been in pretty typical of Ed Cooley teams, especially because they do seem to be in these positions where they dig themselves a hole to get out of, that they have to come back storm back from some double-digit deficit, and he tends to kind of ride the guys that got him there. So you saw sort of the same five or six guys on the floor the entire time they were making that run. They had they were pressing, they were trapping, they were running on offense, trying to get quicker, faster opportunities in a more chaotic setting. And that's great, and that's something that Cooley has done before, and sometimes it works, but in this case it's pretty clear the guys just got really tired. So, you know, it's Cooley would prefer to play a pretty tight rotation. I think he will play seven or eight guys. And depending on matchups versus certain teams, you might see a little bit more or less of certain guys. But all in all, pretty good November. Probably going to be six and one, assuming they take care of business against St. Peter's. And then we're looking ahead to uh, a pretty entertaining December with those three games to start. And then league play on the horizon. Uh, less than a month from now. So uh, everybody have a really, really happy Thanksgiving. Be very thankful that we can hopefully, a lot of you people are gathering this year. If 
you didn't gather last year. Uh, be be nice to get back into everyone's company in real life and off the zooms. So very thankful for uh, for another Thanksgiving with family and friends. And I will talk to everyone soon. Don't forget to subscribe to the Providence Friarcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Mike. Follow Mike Hopkins on Twitter and Instagram at PCBB1917. Like the Facebook page. And as always, stay classy, Friartown.